Thanks, Josh, and it's just uh, great to be with you. Uh, it's really always a great time to enjoy fellowship with the folk at Monty. Um, we have done that over many, many years, and I know I've been blessed and strengthened by many friendships and relationships and contacts um, through the Monty um, Fellowship. So thanks again for the opportunity of being with you. And look, Josh, these things happen. So um, in reference to uh, being there at other times, it really it really doesn't matter. It's about the opportunity of being able to, to learn and grow together. And we're thankful, aren't we, that in the midst of these difficult times, uh, we can still connect together around God's Word. And I'm sure you've got your Bibles with you because Josh encouraged you to have your Bibles with you there um, at the start of the service. And uh, as we continue this study um, series that you're doing on spiritual gifts, um, it's just wonderful um, to be able to listen and to connect um, with each other. I've really enjoyed over the last couple of weeks listening to Raf's messages as he's introduced this really important topic. And he's provided an excellent foundation um, to be able to contribute to and, uh, and it's just a privilege to be able to talk a little bit more. And, uh, and it's just a privilege to be able to talk a little bit more about spiritual gifts today. Um, Raph reminded us when he was speaking and Josh read that verse again, um, just this morning from Acts 2 and verse 38, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us by Christ. Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Raph talked about what an amazing gift that that is. And I um, have found it helpful just to remember four words that start with B that remind me of God's um, Spirit's work in my life. The first thing that the Holy Spirit has done particularly in my life, is that he's enabled me to be born again. Remember, Jesus said to Nicodemus that we must be born again by the Spirit. And the second thing that the Holy Spirit has done and did it at the same time as I was born again is that he baptised me. He baptised us into the one body um, by the Holy Spirit and so that we become part of the body of Christ. And then the third B that we're talking about, particularly at the moment, that through the Holy Spirit we're built up in the body of Christ because he's given us spiritual gifts to enable us to be built up together in the body and grow into Christ, who is the head. And then the fourth B, if you're taking down um, notes, the fourth B is that we're able to bear fruit. And later in the series, um, that will be talked about, won't it, in that it's through the Holy Spirit that we actually bear the fruit of the Spirit. Just let me describe um, what we'll be looking at over the next couple of weeks. So, God willing, I'll be sharing with you both this week and next week um, around the gifts of the Spirit. And firstly, um, we want to speak about um, or look at a definition of spiritual gifts. And then I want to spend a little bit of time just thinking about a key question that we could constantly be asking ourselves in these times and particularly as we're studying um, the gifts together. A third thing that I want to do is just make a comment on categories of gifts and then want to look at each of the three passages 
that list the gifts um, that we have in the in the scripture. Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians 12. So let's think a little bit about the definition of spiritual gifts. Again, last week, Raph was particularly helping us understand that the gifts are given primarily to build us up together in the body of Christ. And we're not given a definition of a spiritual gift in the Bible, but we are told a lot about the spiritual gifts and especially in these three passages that I mentioned. And I'm sure you've read these passages before, but I'd encourage you to read over them again. And here are some of the points that um, Raph reminded us of last week. Spiritual gifts are given as the Holy Spirit determines. The gifts are given for the common good, to build each other's up. The gifts are given to every member of the body by the Holy Spirit. We all have a spiritual gift or gifts. And the spiritual gifts are given in Christ and are orientated towards Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us that we were enriched in Christ in all knowledge and wisdom. And Romans 12 and 6 tells us that we all have different gifts. We don't all have the same gifts. And all of the gifts are important, just like a body, that they work together just as that body does. And all gifts are equally important. So none of us are able to say, well, we don't need each other, or my gift's more important than yours. No, all gifts are equally important. So the key point is, is that all of these aspects about spiritual gifts tell us that we are part of God's body together. Um, one of the resources that I've used is um, I've been studying God's word that I found really helpful is a book by Dr. Uh, J.I. Packer called Keeping Step with the Spirit. Um, maybe you've got this book on your shelf. Um, maybe you haven't. But if you have got it on your shelf, I'd encourage you to take it off and have a look and a read. And it's a book that would be well worth purchasing if you um, are interested to just explore the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives further. Now, we know that there's uh, lots of lists of gifts. I think there's something like 16 gifts listed in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. The interesting thing is they're in three different letters that are written to three different churches. I think that's helpful to understand because that's why the lists are different. Paul was just using a reference to the spiritual gifts. He wasn't giving a treatise on them. No, he was talking to these churches about specific issues that were happening in their churches and he used this to help give some very clear teaching on what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Each list is different. There are some overlaps. But I think this also helps us understand that Paul wasn't writing an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts and saying these are the only spiritual gifts and these are the spiritual gifts that you must have. No, he was just using them as examples to help us understand how the body functions and he doesn't actually put them in any order of importance. He was referring to them 
to make a really strong point. As I've read over these passages, there's a number of themes that just keep reoccurring time and time again. The theme of unity, of togetherness, of maturity, of acting in love, of growing up in Christ. And as we read through these passages, it's very clear that the gifts are given and exercised for the benefit and edification of others. Edification, that's a good word, isn't it? Edification in the context of the body of Christ for the Apostle Paul is a matter of growing in depth and fullness of knowing Jesus and in our quality of a personal relationship with him. If we're edified in the scriptures, it's about coming to know and understand who Jesus is because it's only through Christ and it's in Christ and it's by learning Christ and it's by responding to Christ that any one of us is ever edified. The purpose to grow in maturity and unity in Christ. That's the purpose of the gifts, is to be edified in Christ. So if we're going to give a definition of what spiritual gifts are, I think they must be defined in terms of Christ as actualized powers of expressing or celebrating or displaying or communicating Jesus Christ in one way or another, either by word or deed. So as we exercise our spiritual gifts, it's Jesus Christ ministering through his body, to his body, and to God the Father, and indeed to all people, through the power of the Holy Spirit. What a privilege Christ uses us, his followers, as his mouth, his hands, his feet, even his smile. It's through us, his people, that he speaks and acts and meets and loves and saves here in this world. This is the meaning indeed of Paul's picture of the church, the body of Christ, us that we belong to with Christ at the head. So as we think about spiritual gifts, when it says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 6 that we all have gifts, the meaning's not that we're in any respect outstanding or brilliant or efficient. We may or may not be. But rather that God has observably used us to edify others in specific ways to build us together in unity and in our relationship with Christ. And he'll do it again. So there's a clear difference between our ability to perform and God's prerogative to bless. And this is something that I've been really challenged and encouraged as I've learnt afresh, that it's really God's use of our abilities rather than the abilities themselves that are the gifts of the Spirit. Because if there's no regular, identifiable spiritual benefit for others that results from what we do, we shouldn't think of our capacity to do that as a spiritual gift. So I think, let me just repeat that, 
that it's God's use of our abilities rather than the abilities themselves that are the gifts of the Spirit. And we'll talk more about that later. So secondly, I wanted to talk about asking a key question. One of the things that I've learned is that asking the right question is equally as important as giving the right answer. I remember many years ago in a class asking Dr. J.I. Packer a question. It was a systematic theology class. I asked the question and he looked at me and he graciously said, Keith, you've asked me the wrong question. You've asked me this question because you've assumed this premise and this is the theology that you're coming from. And he said that theological base isn't correct. Now, if you understood this, and he explained it as your theological basis, he said the question you would have asked me was, and he asked me the question. It was a helpful lesson that I learned that day, that the questions that I asked are based on my current understanding at the time and my thinking and my beliefs. Let me give you an example as thinking about this. If I, as a believer, ask the question and say, what do I need to do to receive the Holy Spirit? That question reflects the thinking that I need to do something more to receive the Holy Spirit. I consider that I'm already a believer and I've believed in Jesus, but I think I need something more of the Holy Spirit. Well, you see, Dr. Packer would say that's wrong thinking because the Bible clearly tells us that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ, Romans 8 and 9. So the more appropriate question to ask after I become a Christian is how can I get to know Jesus better? You see, the questions we ask help us understand our thinking. So as it comes to this question of spiritual gifts, a question I think that is more helpful to ask than what is my spiritual gift, even though we want to know that and we'll explore that, it's more what can I say or do for fellow members of the body of Christ that will help us grow together in unity and know Jesus better. Josh talked at the start of the service, didn't he, about God's plans for us. Well, God has many plans for us, and as part of the body of Christ, the answer to this question is clearly part of his plan for us. What can I say or do for fellow members of the body of Christ that will help us grow together in unity and know Jesus better? This is a question that I think we need to ask every day this week in the midst of these challenging times. Josh referred to being able to keep connected with each other by a text, by a phone call, perhaps by dropping something off, delivering a meal, just being that listening ear, by praying, participating in the prayer meeting. All of these things what can I say or do for fellow members of the body of Christ that will help us grow together in unity 
and know Jesus better. As we come to the gifts, some people think that it's helpful to put them in categories. I'm not so sure about that, but but people like to categorise them, whether they're speaking gifts or sign gifts or leading gifts or outreach gifts, spiritual insight gifts, intercessory gifts. Perhaps that can be helpful. However, Scripture doesn't categorise them. And categorising them could merely be based on what we believe about the spiritual gifts. Or it might even mean that we're putting them in little boxes, determining that this is what it actually means and when God might use us, use our gifts in a much more diverse way than what that little category might describe it as. However, I know that you've been studying 1 Peter and done a series recently on that. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10 to 11 is probably the most succinct statement on spiritual gifts that I've discovered as I've been researching and thinking and praying about spiritual gifts. And it categorised them in two lots. It says speaking and serving. Even then we have to be careful about putting them in categories. But let me read the verses that Josh read to us um, earlier on. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. We could spend a lot of time thinking about these two verses. And clearly, it's saying that what we say and do, what we speak and serve. So again, that's a really helpful thing in our question, isn't it? As we see these gifts as a whole, as part of a whole, not so much about what's my gift, but it's about Individually, how will God use me through his power to serve others, to speak to others in ways that will help them grow in unity and come to know Jesus better? So the gifts themselves, well, depending on how we count them, as I've said, there's probably 16 listed. Remembering, though, that I don't think they're an exhaustive list because what's most important in defining the gift is that God uses it to edify and build others up in Christ. The first list I want to just spend a little bit of time looking at, though, is Ephesians chapter 4. And again, this passage was read last week. And here we have um, a list of gifts. And it's it's important always to see the context in which this teaching is given. And at the start of the passage in chapter 4, it has a therefore. Now, we've often been told, haven't we, that when there's a therefore, we know that it connects to the previous chapter or the previous verses of what's just been said. And Josh read those previous verses in Ephesians chapter 3. It was a very, very significant prayer that Paul prays 
for the Ephesians and in effect praise for all of us. And just to reread one or two parts of that, in verse 17 of chapter 3, Paul said, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In this context, how is this prayer going to be fulfilled? Paul was praying the prayer and immediately he says, therefore, and he goes in to this particular passage of talking about gifts. And so as we read verses 11 through to 13 of chapter 4, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I wonder if you noted it. The actual goal of Paul's prayer at the end of chapter 19 is exactly the same goal as in verse 13 of chapter 4. And in his prayer... He prayed that we might have the power, there's the Holy Spirit in our lives, together, there it is, the body, with all the Lord's holy people, that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so that's why the gifts have been given. And it's interesting that these gifts are not so much gifts, but as gifted people. He lists people that God has placed in the body of Christ, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's interesting to note the members of the body are linked to the gift. Think about that, and we'll talk about that more next week. Let's think about apostles. An apostle is one who is sent with a commission or as a representative of Jesus. Jesus appointed apostles in Matthew chapter 10 and they were to give witness to the resurrection. resurrection. Acts chapter 1 verse 15 tells us and therefore they had to have seen the risen Christ personally. As 1 Corinthians 9, Paul tells us that he, as an apostle, saw Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, personally. There are no apostles today, if we look at that as the clear New Testament definition. These men helped lay the foundation of the church. As in Ephesians 2.20 says, that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. Once the foundation was laid, they were no longer needed. However, in the broad sense of the word, Um, We're all apostles because we are all sent ones. Jesus said, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. 
in John 20 and verse 21. And I remember Helen Rosevear telling a story of when she was out in the Congo and she was driving out in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of the Congo, and all of a sudden there she had this sense that she needed to stop the car and just pull over. And as she stopped and pulled over to the side of the road, all of a sudden out of the bush a tribesman appeared and came up to her and said to her, Are you a sent one to tell me about Jesus? She was amazed that here God, in his mercy through his Holy Spirit, had given a vision to this man that he was to go to this road and at the right time, Helen Rosevear was driving along that road and she stopped. And she, as it were, was a sent one to tell him about Jesus, as we all are. However, none of us can claim to be apostles as described in the New Testament. What about prophets? Prophets were given. We often think of a prophet as one who predicts the future. However, their primary role in both the Old and the New Testaments is one who proclaims the word of God. Let's think about Moses talking to Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord. He said that a number of times to Pharaoh. What about Jeremiah talking to the people of Israel? Hear the word of the Lord. And in Ephesians 3 and verse 5, the mystery of God revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. In the New Testament churches, they didn't have Bibles, nor was the New Testament written or completed. How then would God's people discover God's will? His Spirit would share God's truth with those possessing the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy had to do with understanding all mysteries and all knowledge. That is spiritual truths, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13. And so today we have the Bible. The Bible has been completed. God's revelation to us as God, through his spirit, moved holy men to write the scriptures. So today... Because we have the Bible in its completed form, we as believers don't get spiritual knowledge immediately from the Holy Spirit. But we receive that knowledge through the Holy Spirit teaching and applying God's word to our lives. If someone says to us today, thus says the Lord, and it's not coming as a direct revelation as a direct revelation from the word of God, if they're saying they've received something extra, then we need to test and question that because God has given his, us his word, which is complete and is useful for training, correcting and teaching and training um, and rebuke, all of those things that 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that God's word does for us. And so prophets certainly had a foundational ministry in the early church along with the apostles and I would understand that they are not needed today in that sense. Evangelists have been given. Evangelists are bearers of good news about Jesus. These people travelled from place to place to teach the gospel and bring people to Jesus. 
as Philip did, speaking to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, or Philip the Evangelist in Acts 21, who was one of the seven chosen early in the book of Acts. Of course, every one of us is a witness for Jesus, and we all need to be prepared to tell people about Jesus. However, there are people today, aren't there, who have the clear gift of evangelism, an ability to share the gospel openly and easily and readily and with passion um, with others. And uh, we were thankful for those people and probably the most renowned one in our time has been Billy Graham. And then we've been given pastors and teachers to help build the body of Christ up. Pastor means shepherd, indicating that the responsibility of a pastor is to feed and to lead the flock. And we know of people and we're thankful for pastors, aren't we? And we have a number of people that we would say would have the gift of pastor, of pastoral care, of being able to come alongside people and help point them to the word of God and help them to understand that in the challenging time and the trials that they might be experiencing, that God can use this to help grow them up in their relationship with Jesus, of sitting with them, of holding their hand when someone is really sick, of being able to pray for them, to support to provide that pastoral care that we use so often. And again, we know people that, as we would say, have a pastor's heart or have that pastoral care, that ability to really empathise, to come alongside, but to be able to use God's word to help pastor, to build, to strengthen people in those situations so they get to know Jesus better. And then we have teachers, and we'll talk more about this next week because teaching as a gift is listed in both of the other lists, Um, I think highlighting that it is just such an important component of any church body to have the gift of teaching, that ability to take God's word and to explain it and to show what God wants to say to us through his word, so that then through the power of the Holy Spirit, that word might be applied to our lives so that we change, so that we become more like Jesus. Well, those gifts are given very clearly, so indeed we might grow up to reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And we'll look at the next couple of lists next week um, in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 um, as we keep exploring what some of the gifts of the Spirit are that might encourage us to think about what can I say or do for fellow members of the body of Christ that will help us grow together in unity and know Jesus better. And just think about the fact that it's God's use of our abilities rather than the abilities themselves that are the gifts of the Spirit. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will give us, through the power of your Spirit, this week, the words and the acts that we can do and say that will help others in the body of Christ grow up in unity together and come to know Jesus better. Thanks for being with us this morning. It's been lovely to have fellowship, even though we're apart, as Josh was saying, and we've been able to remember communion and remember what Jesus has done for us and to reflect on that old rugged cross. I trust and pray that you'll experience God's peace and God's power as you reach out to each other this week to support one another and indeed to help each other get to know Jesus better. As we close, let me read the end of Paul's prayer together in Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.